How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 156 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and for those of you listening on the audio podcast after the fact, thanks so much for making How About That Cigar Live a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. Wow. I know. I like it. Pronunciation. Yeah. So. Typically. As always, we are here in the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, and let's talk about the new Freestyle Live event packs. They are available now during its May 12th Freestyle Live Special Edition broadcast. Drew Estate will introduce their newest premium cigar, and the company will give consumers a chance to preview the brand before the global unveiling with the release of an all-new Freestyle Live event pack. At participating retailers, Drew Estate has prepared a total of 10,000 Freestyle Live event packs with an MSRP of $39.99. Every Freestyle Live event pack will include three of the new premium unbanded cigars, a Freestyle Live three cigar case, a Freestyle Live cigar cutter with cigar rest, and a Freestyle Live wallet. Additionally, each Freestyle Live event pack will include a Freestyle Live badge with a QR code, which may be used to enter a sweepstakes for a chance to win amazing prizes. The grand prize is a 2022 Jeep Wrangler Sport valued at $33,000. The second prize is a Drew Estate Barrel Bar valued at $2,000 or sweepstakes entrants may win one of 25 third place prizes, a travel humidor adorned with custom artwork by Subculture Studios valued at $100 each. To learn the mystery cigar's identity and experience other surprises, Drew Estate is set to debut. Be sure to tune in and join the fun on May 12th, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time for the next Freestyle Live special edition broadcast, which is available only through Drew Estate's Freestyle Live YouTube channel and Drew Estate's Facebook Live page. So, we are back here, and it is another beautiful Monday night. I see. I try to say that, and I can't keep a straight face. I was just gonna say, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to trying to put on a happy face and say, "Oh, it's a beautiful." It's just the. I wet. was gonna say it's balmy, but it's not, <laughs> I can't even. Yeah, I mean, even we. So we had a little bit of a reprieve on Saturday. It was like oh, seventy. Gosh. But it was so flip. It was basically we've had what thirty mile an hour winds for. It's been super windy. A week straight. Uh, clouds every day. Yeah. Sprinkles off and on. Yeah, and. You know, we couldn't have picked a better day to do my son's graduation on Saturday. The the weather broke. Yeah, it did. And it was still breezy, but it was still a little breezy. It was tolerable. Um, but the the turnout was great, and we had yeah. great weather, and yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So, a little bit about some of the stuff going on in the sports world. We talk about it usually. So, fortunately, the Minnesota Wilds are. They seem to really be in a good place. They. Yep. They even have so one of the things that the Wilds have had a bad propensity for is losing big leads. Yes. But what they've actually done in the last 10 games or so, they've had a number of games where they've been come in back. a they've come back from a deficit. A lot of which is wins. that's very unlike and them. overtime wins. And overtime wins, which is always fun to watch. Yeah. Um the twins are they seem to be improving. Buxton had a awesome walk off last night yeah it was clutch uh, or yesterday afternoon i guess yeah. but it was it was so cool to see you know he he gave them uh 
he tied the game up in the seventh inning, I believe, and then uh, gave him the walk-off win in the tenth. So that was a lot of fun to watch. We had it on uh, in the cigar shop yesterday. Um, and then the Timberwolves. Again, we don't really talk much about basketball, but oh. I'm I and I admit again, I'm a fair weather fan. You know, say what you will, but I'm a fair weather fan. And uh, they. You know, they tied up the series with Memphis um, tomorrow night. They continue. The one downside is I don't I think it was game three. Correct me. I think it was game three where yeah. they set an NBA record for the worst fourth quarter in history. It was the only time in NBA. And I think it's just NBA as a whole, not just playoff games. But they set a record for the only time a team was ahead by 20 at two separate times during the game and still lost. I mean, <laughs> that was, that's, that's like a Minnesota sports thing. So. Yeah. In Minnesota yeah. fashion. And I, of course I was in Chicago during that game. Yeah. And the only Wolves fan in the place, Yeah, I'm talking all kinds of shit. Cause there's a <laughs> couple of people there that were really rooting for Memphis. Yeah. You know, and I'm, you know, the whole game. Yeah. I was basically like, hey, you know what? You guys had your run. It was good. And and then boy, did they let me. Hey, that's what that's what Minnesota teams do. Yeah. That's what they do. I should know better. I should never, <laughs> ever gloat as a Minnesota sports fan. Yeah. You have to wait until this clock says zeros. Yeah. And uh, then that's then you can dance. Then you can dance. Yeah. Has Minnesota has Minnesota teams danced. ever danced? We haven't danced. Well, the Twins have, but not in yeah. 31 years. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's get into our special guest. I'm yes. so excited about Me this too. guest tonight. So, as always, guys, you know on How About That Cigar Live, special guests are brought to us by our friends at Corona Cigar Company. Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest-to-use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSungrown.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you would please put your hands together and welcome to episode 156 of How About That Cigar Live, Mr. Fred Rui. Hey, how you doing? Good evening. Good welcome. evening. How are you, sir? Good. Outstanding. Outstanding. Fantastic. Well, we are so excited to have you on the show. It's been uh, it's been something that we've wanted to do for a while, and since there's been some you know some recent exciting news in your life and in the in the lives of cigar fans, uh, you know we thought what better time to bring you on and, and catch up with everything that's going on with you. Um, before we jump in to you know the uh, to the the fun questions, let's jump into uh, talking about what you are drinking and smoking with us this evening. Well, right now I'm drinking water. 
Uh, I had some wine earlier with dinner. We cooked some steaks. And uh, I'm actually smoking the Fume de Amor, the Illusione Fume de Amor, which is, I go through cycles on what I'm smoking and I tend to get on a kick where I'll go like four or five days of kind of the same cigar. Maybe I'll have another one different, but uh, this has been my kick for the last like three days, I think. So uh, I suppose I'll be on a different cigar in about two days. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I've been on this one lately. Sometimes I get, I latch onto a flavor and then I just kind of want to keep that flavor going for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, well, I'm jealous because everybody else is smoking and I'm okay. not. Okay. So. Well, let me get into mine. <laughs> I am smoking the Epernay. Of course, nice. I'm not going to get that to, to focus, but uh, Illusione Epernay, and I'm enjoying that with a 2021 Diet Coke. Is that a 2021 or? Uh, it says 2020. No. <laughs> it's, oh, it's very it's old. Diet Coke. Does it taste like vintage? It? Yeah. Vintage. It is. Yeah, it's, it's a, great. It's a good year. Well, <laughs> I'm going to get year. fired up here. So Awesome. All right. Going to the toast cam. When lighting your cigar, it is important to be patient, pay close attention to detail and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sober Mesa to Umbagag, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. So, Fred, you are coming to us from Texas, and uh, Matt's throwing up the 88 Maduro. 888. Eight, eight, eight. Eight. It is the 888. Damn it. That's all right. I get those. I forgive you. I, you. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Thank you. <laughs> There's a lot of numbers in that brand. And I. <laughs> there are. There are. That's fair. <laughs> so, Fred, you're coming to us from Texas uh, doing a little bit of traveling. Yeah, I just came. I'll be out here for, uh, I guess, about a week. So um, I just I just came out recently. I actually flew in today, so I'm not going to be here very long. But um yeah, but I'm normally in Florida most of the year. So um, one of the things that we like to do with first-time guests is, you know, get a little bit of backstory. So tell our viewers and listeners and us, give us an idea of when you got started with cigars, what your first cigar was like, uh, and, and kind of how your smoking uh, enjoyment progressed over the years. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't remember, you know, my specific first cigar. I should probably make one up because like, you know, everybody always asks that and, you know, you're supposed to remember that experience fondly. And um, so I should really just make up a really good story. Uh, but I don't remember my first cigar. I do know that I started smoking cigars probably uh, right around the early 90s when I started golfing a little bit more. So it was probably, you know, one of those golfers probably gave me a Macanudo or something like that and started smoking cigars. Uh, and then I kept smoking from that point on, you know, back then the, it was very different as far as what was available. There wasn't a boutique boom as we know it and things like that. Uh, then, you know, late 2000s, you know, some other guys started creating some companies that really, you know, were playing with tobacco differently. And, and that was a lot of fun. 2012, I started my own cigar company. Um, I used to smoke cigars with uh, Abo Yavazian about four or five times a week. And he was always telling me to start my own cigar company. And I'd look at the humidors of retail shops and go, last thing we need is another cigar company. Uh, so I would, uh, but we went down to DR and he introduced me to some people. And I just, um, I said, you know, I'm going to make a cigar for me and just kind of see how it goes. And I had had a cooking background. So I approached cigars in the same way. 
everything was about flavor for me and then wherever the strength ended up. And so, you know, one thing led to another and I had a cigar and then I had another cigar in DR and then I went over to Nicaragua and made uh, seven more over there, um, you know, over a period of time, over what, seven years or whatever it was, ended up with about 15 different cigars. Uh, and it was just kind of like, I was, you know, I said, I've, I've always been like, I was a kid in Make-A-Wish Foundation. I just felt like I was just lucky to be there. And uh, I found when I was down there, when I was genuine about it and wanting to learn the process of being there for months at a time, uh, people that were making cigars were very engaging and giving me information. And so it was always just my journey of learning more and more. And, you know, it was easiest when I knew nothing. Cause then I went down there and I'm like, Oh yeah, I want Jalapa. And you know, then later it's like, well, where do you want the Jalapa from? Which part of the region, which farm, what part of the farm do you want? How long do you want it from? I mean, just, it was this whole rabbit hole of things, like I said. So, um, I, then I ended up selling Nomad when, uh, the FDA bomb kind of dropped and I was really at a crossroads and it wasn't so much, um, that I didn't enjoy it. I loved it. I loved the blending. I loved doing events. Um, Nomad was, you know, still fairly small. We were at several hundred stores, but it was still pretty small, but it was enough where it was getting noticed and it was getting ratings and things like that. Um, but it wasn't as fun for me after the FDA thing happened. I wasn't enjoying, I didn't like talking to attorneys every week on what do we need for warning labels or not warning labels and all this other stuff. So, um, someone approached me on selling it, which I did. Uh, and then I just kind of, I, I kind of just took a step back. You know, I came in as a cigar geek and I was okay being that cigar geek. And I had a lot of really good offers, you know, to, hey, come work with us. And everybody knows that I love the marketing side. And I love, you know, just hanging out, talking about cigars. And um, I just, there was a very short list of people that I loved the company. And I also loved the cigars. So um, when, you know, Dion and I have been talking for a couple of years. And then he finally called me about, I guess, a couple months ago when I was in DR at the time working on a project. And he says, hey, you know, I, I think we really need to do something now. And uh, I, I, he was pretty much the top of my list as far as somebody that I love the cigars. And um, actually I want to, I want to simultaneously address, well, I hope I can scroll back to the question. Uh, someone, Tom said, talk me into smoking an Illusione cigar and why? Ooh, um, that's a you great know, question. And I, and, I, and I love the question and, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer it in a way that is it. I'm not copying out of this and I'm sure we're going to get more detailed later. But I'm going to tell you, don't take my word for it. Ask anybody else that's a cigar geek. Um, when, when I traveled around events long before I even, you know, I was, you know, I smoked obviously some of Dion's stuff and everybody else's stuff. But um, if you go around and you're talking to cigar brokers or cigar reps and they all rep a brand, when you mention Illusione, I guarantee you they have them in their travel humidor or they have them in their humidor at home. They all geek out over the level of detail that Dion goes through when he does his blend. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about guys that believe in the lists, because Dion's been on the cigar aficionado list a dozen times. Um, the cigar I'm smoking was the number three cigar of the year. The Epernay was number three cigar of the year at one point. Um, so I can tell you all the processes you know, that he goes through as far as how meticulous he is into what region, what farm, and all this other stuff, and how he, he is... His greatest asset is his ability to blend for flavor. Uh, I also think it's somewhat, you know, he'll he'll have things that taste good to me, and they don't they don't work for him. They're just they're just not they're you know it's not good enough. So um, I'm not copying out of the answer, Tom. And I I I just think that you know what, don't take my word for it because I work you know with Dion now. So go ask anybody else that's around, anybody that does one of these shows, and start talking about the portfolio. And if you haven't smoked them, then yeah, I'm going to tell you you're going to want to give them a shot. Yeah. Yeah. And 
you know, we wouldn't bring on a brand that we wouldn't want to get behind, you know? Um, yeah. A brand we wouldn't want to smoke and have, you know, well, I mean, you might, you might, I mean, look, it could be a slow week. I mean, maybe somebody canceled and you got me last minute, whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, things, <laughs> things happen. I mean, that's not the case here, but I mean, just saying, I mean, no, look, I mean, look, everybody, look, one thing I hate is the guys in the interviews that are just like, you know, I only smoke my cigars. It's the best. I smoke a lot of different brands. Now, if you asked me, and I've said this, and I'm sure I can go back on somebody's show years ago, uh, even when I held my own brand, and somebody said, hey, if you could only have one maker's cigar, who would it be? I guarantee you, I said probably Dion's. I probably said Illusiana. And I wouldn't be the only one that has blended cigars that would say that um, across, across the board. No, and, and in all reality, Tom, there is an offering for just about any smoker within the Illusione uh, uh, offering. So grab a couple, smoke through them. I guarantee you like them. If you don't, reach out to me. Well, yeah. and you know, it, you know, what's interesting about Illusione, if you go back and you look at what, look, I've said from the very beginning, a large part of this business, particularly now, is marketing. Um, there are a lot of great cigars we've seen completely die off the shelf because for whatever reason, somebody didn't gravitate to the name, the color of the box, the way the band looked, the way that they didn't like the, the, the maker, whatever it may be. And then we've seen cigars that are relatively mediocre, but okay cigars uh, sell out, sell great. So, you know, there's marketing, there's buzz, there's a whole lot of things that can really sway it. And, um, you know, you look at Luciane, you know, this is a company that, you know, right in their motto is not industry standard. They don't do a lot of events. They don't have a lot of swag. They don't do a lot of advertising or anything like that. They don't do what most companies do to get that. So when you take a company that's been around as long as they have, and it's still one of everybody's, you know, favorite cigars, that means it's the cigar because that's not the guy that's traveling 300 days a year, doing events, drinking with everybody, you know, getting them that way. So, um, that, that to me says more to the brand than anything does the fact that, you know, Dion's not out there all the time, nor is anybody other than obviously the reps that are out there that sell yeah. the cigars. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back a little bit because you, you touched briefly on, you know, kind of your, um, your career and things like that before cigars. But um, I want to learn a little bit about kind of what your, I mean, because everybody's got a life plan until plans change and everybody's got a career path until things change. So what was kind of your desire for a career path or a business plan before you got into cigars and started Nomad? You know, I, I, I've been I've done so many things. I'm one of those guys that if you're having a conversation with at some point, I have to tell you, stop saying <laughs> the things I've done because you just come off like an ass. You know, you just come off like that. Yeah, I did that, you know, for a couple of years there and I did it for a couple of years there, that type thing. And you, you just, nobody likes that guy. Um, so <laughs> you literally, I have to dial back. And, and, and honestly, by the way, it's not because I was necessarily particularly good at any of them. It's because I have a short attention span and I would go out and I would learn something and it'd be fun. And I've always done things until such point that it's no longer fun. Uh, it's one thing my my father taught me. He says, "Look, do whatever you want to do. Just do it. Do the best you can, and you'll figure out a way. You'll you'll make money out. You'll, you'll you'll be able to grow. You'll be able to grow it as a business and sell it or whatever it may be." And so for me, I've done a lot of things. In the very beginning, I thought I wanted to be a chef. Um, I was working in restaurants when I was young. Uh, I got accepted over to um, the California Culinary Academy, which at the time was really hard to get into. 
Uh, you had to have letters of recommendation. You had to be in industry you had to go through interviews. And then right at the very last minute, I'm like, man, I'm just kidding. I, I just, I'm looking around. I'm seeing these guys that have been through that. And your dream is, oh, I'm going to own my own restaurant. Uh, back then, you know, particularly on the West Coast, there were a lot of you know, chefs that were just big names coming out of there, having, you know, incredible foods. And then it just, all of a sudden, I saw the work side of it. And, and there's a difference between the work side of it and the wanting to pay your dues. I had no problem paying my dues, but it didn't look fun anymore. You know, so I didn't want to suck the passion up. We were talking about it right before the show talk. We talked about, you know, barbecuing and things like that. And would we like it as much if it became a business? I've never made that into a business. So it, it, in my heart, I've always I've always gravitated in and around marketing. Uh, I've always gravitated in and around investment and, you know, educating. I was a, um, a, a national uh, part of NSA, National Speaker Association, which is, you know, tough to get in. I've been a member for 22 years. So I've done the speeches in front of lots of people and things like that. And um, I enjoy that. I enjoy passing on information and I enjoy learning. Uh, you know, the cigar thing was just part of it. I learned, you know, my, my, my idea when I went down to the border in Nicaragua and stuff was like, look, check the ego at the door. It doesn't matter what you've done before that because the average roller is going to know more than me for, you know, for the next, you know, 50 years and just learn all you can. And so I've done so many different things uh, and I enjoy them. But, you know, to me, I've always been in and around cigars for quite a while. And in between the time, you know, because the, the time came when you sold Nomad mm -hmm. and then the time came recently when you took on the new role with Illusione. So between those points, what did you do to stay busy and stay active and not go crazy? What did you what did and you stay busy with? I, I, I want to interrupt here because that was the time where we started. How about that cigar? OK, right. I wasn't heavily involved in cigar media. I hadn't taken the deep dive. I didn't know who Fred was, to be honest, um, until I do, did a little bit of digging back then. But all I knew is there was this guy who was friends with like hundreds of other cigar yeah. people. <laughs> And he was throwing out these funny memes. And I'm like, who is this Fred guy? He yeah. doesn't seem to be in the industry, but he's associated with all of these people. Yeah. And so then then I got the backstory, uh, which is really cool. And then when I heard the news that uh, you were going to Illusione, I could have been, you know, happier. So yeah. now, now, now take it away, Fred. Yeah, I got to tell you, I was incredibly humbled by the response when the press release went out of me and Dion working together, um, I was humbled from the responses of people so happy for me, uh, you know, that he's back. Uh, and and I was happy for obviously the Dion side because they felt that that was something that he needed on his side. Uh, so it was a good it was a good partnership, if, if you will. Uh, for me, you know, the last couple of years, I've had the marketing company since 2004. So that I've always been involved in that. The, the cigar thing was was really just a side project. As far as that concerned, the nice thing about you know finally coming around and, and and back in with reason, you know the last three years I've been on a bunch of these shows every couple months, and thank God you guys have a reason to have me on a show now because you know there was this awkward identity crisis for the last three years of the just like who am you know it's like you know the the former owner of Nomad like why is he on the show? I mean what you know I mean so. So and, and as far as knowing a lot of people, I, look, I, I don't regret a thing as far as starting the brand and then and then ultimately selling a brand. I've got to meet so many different people in the cigar industry that are now my friends. And I actually did do a project where I actually I just announced it last week and it'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. But I went down. I, I, I was at PCA last year or year before last. 
and I was walking down the hallway with Brian Metella and we're passing by several big names in the industry and it was almost embarrassing. And I'm not gonna mention the names because then you just sound like a name dropper, but they're big names going, Fred, how you doing? Come over and shake my hand. And it was just weird. And so I was thinking, I'm like, what do I do with this access? I mean, yes, I can go make a cigar with some of these people. Some of them had asked me to come on board and help them with something or do, you know, work with them. And um, so what I did was, is at the beginning of this year, I actually flew down to Dominican Republic and I did eight episodes of a show where I did sit down interviews with some of the top makers um, as opposed to doing via Zoom. And what I wanted was, is I knew them. I knew them very intimately from a, you know, hanging out, having dinner and smoking cigars and, you know, watching a movie together, whatever it may be. So I knew they'd be comfortable. And I wanted it, I wanted it to be 70% their life and 30% cigars. In reality, you put a bunch of cigar guys together, you know, and they're just going to talk cigars. In, yeah. and, and we did, we did a lot, um, but it wasn't about me. Like I never once out of all these filmings, do I mention that I ever made a cigar, that I ever did anything cigars, that I ever blended a cigar. None of it is about me. Uh, it's about them. So, I mean, you know, you have Manolo and Raquel Casada, Lito and Anthony Gomez, uh, uh, Carlito and I sat down, um, you know, so there, there were several of them that we went through, uh, Hanky and I, we did it out in a field with Klaus. And so um, these are going to be coming out in a couple of weeks that these are just, it was kind of like, I, I needed something to do in the industry. And it was kind of my gift to the, the industry of getting to see these people up close and personal. They all got to pick their locations of where they wanted to do it and sit down and do these things. So these are going to come out in a couple of weeks. I actually just finally announced it last week because they're all done filming and they're being they're being edited right now. Um, so I'm looking forward to releasing those and sharing them with them again. It's not about me. It was about that if you were just like, hey, I'm smoking a you know a La Florida Minaconic and like, oh, did you see that interview that you know Tony and Anthony did where they're on the factory floor with Fred and answering lots of questions? And they're each one of them has some really cool moments in it. Um, the one with Carlito was amazing. Cause it was literally, we were two feet away sitting around coffee, smoking cigars for an hour of him just going through. And I'm asking him different questions and going down this journey. And I think it's going to change, not change, but it's going to, it, it lets people see behind the curtain a little bit. So yeah. I thought that was a good use of my off time. It just took me a little bit longer to do it. And I would have done it sooner, but with COVID I'm like, I got to do it in person. It right. has to be me sitting down face to face. It has to be, you know, the, the, the actor's theater type thing, you know, it has to be where they're sharing stories. And um, look, I could have been better by the, by the time the last episode, I'm way better than the first episode, but it doesn't matter. It's about them and them sharing their stories. And it was a lot of fun. That's did, exciting. Did uh, you make anybody cry? Uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but <laughs> we, we have, we, we, we either got close or edited out some things. Yes. Okay. Right on. Um, and, and it's funny that you brought up, uh, what you brought up about, you know, being on shows like ours, you know, during your quote unquote off time, because when, when this, when, how about that cigar first started? And then, uh, when we started doing the show and started having guests on, we started coming up with names and making a list of people we wanted to talk to. And you were absolutely on that list, yeah. but, but we genuinely looked at each other and we're like, what are we going to? Talk what are we going to talk? No, about? it's fair. It's absolutely fair. You know, and, and it's funny because about a year ago I was in DR and I really was having a cigar identity crisis. I was totally cool with being just a cigar, you know, a cigar uh, enthusiast. I was really okay with that, but I, I was never quite out of the industry. I'm always like, you know, 
And then it's that weird, it's that guy that's that cousin that's hanging around the party. And you're like, dude, go home. Go home. Why are you here? And and I was so I was at a big event in DR and I was talking to Lito Gomez and um and Tony. And then like two like big people walked up that were like government people. So I immediately went to excuse myself because it's clearly they're way more important than me. And I I I, I said hello. And then and then and then like Lito, it was either Lito or Tony grabbed me. And said, no, I want you to meet these people. And he introduced me as the as as the cigar ambassador for not the world, but it was something like that. I don't remember it was in Spanish, but uh, I thought, okay, well, I could live with that, whatever that, yeah. you know, whatever that moniker is. You know, I, I still don't know what to do with it. I still don't know how to give value to the industry. Um, but uh, but that, you know, and then it led to obviously some other things. Nice. Um, so in that time, you mentioned already that, you know you did have some companies approach you about, you know, possibly working for them or with them and that kind of thing. What was it about the, that time that whether, and, and obviously we're not going to mention any names, but was it just, was it, was the timing not right? Was it not the right company? Was, were you just not in the right place for it? And, and why was just recently, why, why was the, did everything align properly where this was the right moment and right company for you? It was, it was all me. Um, okay. It was, it wasn't that it wasn't right timing. Cause I, I could have made the move at any, any time. It really was. I, I, I took a little bit of time. I took a couple months to assess what did I want to do? What was the, what was going to be, you know, like if I was to go, okay, you're going to be involved in the industry. What's your dream scenario? My dream scenario was building a brand and, and I did, but I didn't like all the other stuff. It was me. And like I said, the attorneys and all the other stuff and the stress over how much tobacco do you need to get? And, you know, as there's the land grab for tobacco, how do you even acquire that as a small company? So I just made my list of what's what's my dream thing. And then what were the requirements? The requirements were, you know, I didn't want to be on the road 300 days a year. I wasn't going to be a rep or something like that. Nothing against those guys, but they're the hardest working people out there. I'm like, I don't need that. I'm too old for that. <laughs> I, I didn't need the money. So it wasn't like I had to jump ship for the money because the marketing company paid the bills. The cigar company never paid the bills. I mean, yeah, it paid for me to do all the stuff I did, but it wasn't, I didn't need it to pay a mortgage or something like that. Yeah. So I, I really decided that, look, I'm either going to be comfortable on the sidelines, just being the, you know, a cigar enthusiast, or I'm going to have a company that I can get behind that also what my job is, is something that I love that every day I'm not, Oh God, I got to do this. You know, so like I wanted to love it. And so, like I said, it was a very short list and there's a lot of great people that I love and it just wasn't exactly the right fit. Yeah. Uh, with the Luciane, it was like, I love Dion. I love everything he's built. I love the, 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 um, the vibe behind it, the whole conspiracy type thing I love. And I want to double down on that. And I love the cigars. I mean, and, and I think that that attention to detail, you know, Illusione is the, the, it's like the inner circle of cigars. So it's not the biggest brand out there, although it's pretty damn big, but it's kind of like the cigar geeks cigar. It's like, you know, if you know, you know, and that's yeah. kind of the, and so to me, it was, that was what was more in line. It was the brand and the, and the company behind it more than it was me. Um, and if I wanted to sell out, by the way, if it was a dollar issue, I'd have sold out three and you know three years ago and just cashed a check and go, hey, this is the best cigar in the world. And everybody would have known I was lying. Everybody yeah. would have known I was just completely full of shit and I just didn't want to do that. Yeah. So take us through the the conversation as much as you can between you and Dion. And 
you know, the skill set that you're bringing to the table. Um, obviously, you know, Brian Matola had been there for many years and mm-hmm. his departure, you know, was probably a factor in some of this. What, what were you, what was that conversation like in developing your position? And um, to quote the office space, what would you say you do here? <laughs> Very nice quote, by the way. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't do anything. Um, <laughs> I, I don't remember. I don't remember the line. I don't remember the line, how it orders responses there. I'm good um, with people. I'm, I'm yeah, people I'm good person. with people. Yeah, I'm good with people. I'm a people person. Um, I have skills. Uh, no. So, well, well, interestingly enough, so what, what Brian, so it ended up splitting essentially, but what I'm doing with, with Illusione, we've talked about for years that had nothing to do with Brian's aspect of it. Brian was actually sales. Yeah. Uh, and we've actually acquired somebody. Um, uh, so Ryan um, Shepler has joined Illusione uh, not long after I did, and he will drive the sales team, awesome. uh, which is great for me because it's probably, you know, it would have been like 30% of my work, but it would have been 100% of the headache. Uh, not necessarily in a bad way. It's not like dealing with sales is bad. It's just, it's 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 a whole different animal of spreadsheets mm. and projections and, 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 and people that, that's a lot tougher. For me, what I want to do with Luciane is I just want to create more pathways for people to discover the brand that don't, that don't know about it. Um, maybe ha- you know, maybe for them to revisit it, uh, understand why it is held at the highest level that it is. Understand more, you know. Kind of, I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. Mm. Uh, like I said, you know, they've always been kind of. I don't want to say anti-marketing because that's not right, but they've always been not doing what everybody else does, which is fine. I think you can do some of those things, but put your own twists on it. One thing I did with Nomad that I want to recreate a little bit was, is that with Nomad, I was always an open book. Uh, I was the first person to put Twitter on the outside of the band, which by the way, was just a dumb accident. Um, but it encouraged conversation with you know the average person that knew what Twitter was and saw the cigar and go, I'm gonna try and Nomad, I don't know what the hell this is. And they'd look see the Twitter and know what Twitter was. They'd reach out to me, I'd respond. Uh, eventually it got too big. I built up an email list that I had probably about 4,000 people that I would send emails to. And um, they got to know me for me. It always wasn't like, well, I smoke my cigars because they're the best. I mean, that's that's just bullshit. Um, you know, obviously you like your cigars because you blended them for yourself uh, and you want to sell your cigars. But to say that there's not other great cigars out there is just, you know, naive or lying, one of the two. Um, you know, so I want to educate and peel back some of the mystery of why I think and why other people think Illusione is is at the level it is and why that's important to a lot of cigar smokers. Look, there are a lot of guys that it, it won't matter to in some ways. Look, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're happy with a $2 cigar, man, more power to you. I don't talk down to anybody. I don't care what you smoke. If Amen. you like a $2 cigar and that works for you, good for you, man. I wish it did for me. I really do. Uh, it's just not where my palate is. So, yeah. but I think that there's a lot of people that look, you're going to spend whatever you're going to spend on a cigar, $8, $10, $12, $14, whatever, whatever it may be, whatever your price range is or what, it, you know, how many you're smoking, what experience you're looking for. I just want to make sure that people that are looking for a certain level of experience that want, that appreciate the work and the, and the quality that goes in the type of tobacco is being chosen, that they understand and have that pathway to learn more about Illusione. And have fun in the process. Like I said, the conspiracy theory, we've got a lot of fun stuff we're looking at doing. And just have fun. I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's just rolled up tobacco. 
yeah, this yeah. I think this rolled up tobacco is better than some other rolled up tobacco, but let's have fun in the process. Yeah. Well, and I I love the fact that you you mentioned earlier that Illusione really made this name for themselves, you know, over the years as this as sort of the cigar nerds cigar and the cigar nerds brand and and so many of those people us included that would would call themselves cigar nerds who just love to dive into all the details and all the information we can get about it that's one of the brands you'll find in our humidors usually mm -hmm. and the the way that illusione was able to get to that point really without any aggressive marketing or aggressive social media campaigns or anything like that now bringing you in to to not and not even say to add that missing piece but to to almost uh, and i don't use this term disparagingly but to almost say okay we're gonna we're gonna experiment now and see if this if this um marketing and and social drive really does what we expect it to and it's a it's kind of like you said it's exciting to to have a chance to be a part of that um uh expansion of of awareness of the brand and excitement for the brand yeah and i think you're gonna see i mean it's not just it's not just you know the conversation there's a lot of stuff in motion right now that that brings a cigar to another level, whether we're talking blends, whether we're talking, you know, packaging, whether we're talking just conversations and things like that. Um, it, it's time. It's, it's, it's time. And, and I, and I think that, you know, you can have, you know, it, you can have the best barbecue place in Dallas, but if nobody can hear about it or nobody knows about it, then you missed out, especially if you're a barbecue fan. Yeah. If you are a cigar geek and not everybody is, but if you are, and you're not going through some of this portfolio and finding, which ones do you like and which ones do you start working in your rotation? I'm not going to ask anybody to smoke only Illusione. It's not going to happen because we're, we're not like cigar smokers were 20 years ago where you bought one box, one brand, one size, and that's all you smoke. We're like wine drinkers now. What did I have that day? What am I in the mood for? What am I, what have I not revisited for a while? What, you know, what is it morning? Is it night? Is it afternoon? You know, am I on the golf course, whatever it may be. So, but to me, when I talk to smokers that have been around for a while and they're name dropping, you know, good cigars or a variety of cigars or, you know, kind of speaking the language, if you will, and they haven't been through this portfolio, you're missing out. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're really missing out. It's like having a really good food. And someone's, oh my gosh, you've never tried, you know, ice cream ever. Uh, you're missing out, you know, whatever it may be. And, and that's kind of what I see Illusiana in there. And, you know, and, and price point wise, look, I get it. You know, it may be a special occasion cigar for you. It may be an everyday cigar price point wise. Uh, somebody, you know, shirtless Mike, I like his question. He says inflation means $6 are the least expensive, but good premium cigars. Um, you know, I have, you know, for me, because of being in the blending process, you know, the, right now, I think the new number is getting closer to $8. And that's because of the cost of tobacco. It's not because a $14 cigar is going to be 10 times better than, you know, than an $8 cigar or whatever it may be. It just means is that as tobacco's got more and more expensive, and we look at the prices increasing across the board, tobacco has increased so much more than we're seeing on the shelf right now. So yeah. we're going to see prices across the board that have to go up. And if you try to stay at that level, if you say, hey, I like a $5 cigar, and inflation goes up, and tobacco goes up, and labor goes up, and shipping goes up, 
your $5 cigar, that money has to come from somewhere. Yep. It has to come out of the tobacco because you're not going to pay anybody less. Containers aren't less to ship across the ocean or to ship across the country, wherever it may be. So something has to sacrifice. Now, maybe that sacrifice is still in your wheelhouse and you're okay with it. Yeah. And it's slightly not as good as tobacco, but it's like good enough. That's fine. Otherwise, you know, I would rather up my budget and buy a more expensive cigar so that I have a hundred percent great experience and smoke an, a, one less cigar to make up for it. Yeah. You know, so Illusione is a cigar brand, but they also wait, what? Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Continue. No, it's right. Uh, but they also distribute for several different brands. Having that as part of the Illusione family, do you get to be a part of, of that aspect of the business at all? No. And I'm, I, I mean, I'm not really looking to, um, sure. I, I think that, 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 that's something that's a little confusing out there right now, as far as what it is. I mean, bottom line is, is that Dion's created a bonded warehouse situation and has distribution. So they have the warehouse, they have the space, they have the staff. So basically they're just shipping for companies that need a home to have their cigars and they have the staff to do it. So I'm not marketing those companies. I mean, obviously I know a lot of them uh, and, and I enjoy a lot of their cigars, but, but I'm not, I'm not looking to market their cigars, nor is that the agreement that we would have right. to do anyway. Uh, it's, so I think that that actually is something that, that for me, I have to unravel a little bit because I think people try to make more of that relationship than it really is. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to speak out of turn on here, and it's a good question for Dion, but at the end of the day, it's a separate entity that is helping other people move their cigars, but it's not like we're managing their businesses or, or anything right. like that. Yep. Yeah. So looking ahead to the, you know, the big ticket item as far as retail and um, cigar companies go is the PCA trade show coming up. So is, mm -hmm. uh, are you guys planning on being at the PCA trade show? Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll be okay. there. And actually, you know, we're, we're from a convenience standpoint, we do have a lot of the brands that we help distribute near us in the hall, Okay, just from, from a convenience standpoint. In my role, I look at it in two ways. You know I mean? You know, the title, I didn't want a title and we went back and forth forever. We ended up with brand strategists, but I look at it as twofold. One is, it's, it's, it's looking at the brand that is Illusione. And like I said, the conversations and things like that, that we can have directly with consumers and peel back that curtain. And the other way I look at my role is, is that, you know, what can I do to help a retailer? What can I do if I walk in a retail shop, how can I help them sell more Illusione? What do they need as tools? Do they need to understand more behind all the blends? So that, does their staff need to be trained differently? Do they need shelf talkers? Do they need, you know, what, what, what do they need to do? And it's usually not price oriented. I think that's the fallback that everybody goes to with retailers saying, oh, you know, we have to have this deal. I don't think, you know, th they look for deals when cigars aren't moving, but we're, we're moving cigars. So the question is, how can we help you move more cigars? Right. And, and Jim, by the way, the Gigantes are coming back. Um, everybody right now is, is, is a bit back ordered on things oh, right yeah. now. It's been, it's been rough. COVID's been rough. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's been rough. So we're doing everything we can to uh, not only catch up, but also uh, we, we've boosted production considerably uh, to, to try to avoid that. So from the, from an aspect again of the PCA trade show, um, having you on the team now and, and I imagine you guys are working on a lot of different ideas and vision for 
a lot of different things, but is is a part of that doing something, um, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be new product, but just something a little bit more upscale, uh, larger scale at the PCA trade show, or is the scale for Illusione going to be the same as it has been? Um, are you talking like scale, like booth size booth or size and, uh, it could be anything booth size, PCA, uh, more, no. more deals. staff deals, that kind of thing. You know, I, I, I think it's a, it's a better, probably a better question for Dion, but I mean, in my opinion, I can speak for me is that, look, I, I think that, you know, if you're selling cigars and luckily this is not a trap, this company has gone down. If you're selling cigars based on a deal, people are buying in a deal. They're not buying on the cigar. Um, this is particularly true if you run a retail shop where you're doing events every single month and your buyers are buying based on the deal. They don't care what the cigars are going, hey, which, what am I going to get the best deal on? Um, so I'm cognizant when we look at events going, look, let's give them a great experience. Let's give them a great product. Let's give them also maybe have a, a special event cigar or something unique they can't get normally. Uh, but don't diminish the brand. I think once you go down that road, um, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope and it's not, it's not a road we have to go down. Yeah. Uh, and then also as far as scale, um, you know, I, booth size and stuff, look, it's a lot of money to do that show. Oh yeah. And I, I think that the size booth that we run, which is, which is, you know, a, a decent size, it, you know, the people can be there, they can place their orders. Uh, I don't think you have to get flashy. I don't think I need a giant, giant booth with you know you know rotating every year and, and and women in every corner and and you know flashy things inside there that, that you know laser show whatever it may be <laughs> um you know to to um sell cigars because you know at the end of the day that money's got to come from somewhere right uh and i think if you have a solid cigar and a solid product and i know people that have at the show that have relatively small booths uh much smaller than what we have and and they have a good product and i think if you have a good product People really don't care what your booth is. Bottom line is you could have, you know, you could have a 10 by 10. Uh, and so I think you need whatever size accommodates the people that are coming through, you know, via appointments and things like that. After that, um, nobody likes to waste money and myself included, and I'm sure Dion as well. Uh, so no, I, I don't see us making a bigger splash because I don't think, I don't think it matters. I think, I think some, not everybody, but some of them do that to you know bolster up something that may not be as good in the cigar and bottom line is, is just come out with a really good product deliver a really good product to that consumer that when they walk into a shop and they spend 12 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it may be on a cigar you're giving them the best possible most consistent experience possible and yeah. and, and i think that's the goal now fred are you bringing anything specific to the show this year that illusioni hadn't done in the past uh, <coughs> your position uh, we're still talking about it, but I mean, largely, I mean, my side is more right now, at least in the beginning stages is focusing on, you know, things like this and direct communications to the, the consumers starting to build up the email base so I can actually talk to them directly uh, and tell them what's going on, uh, you know, and, and a little bit behind the scenes. And like I said, have some fun with it. So uh, we're still the show stuff we're still talking about. We actually cool. just started the conversations regarding as far as what the show is going to be. Cool. I see a question from a viewer that I kind of like. I do too. Yeah. So Mitchell says, what rapper does Dion blend with the best in your opinion? That's a oh, deep question. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a rapper, although I'm going to say the Corojo rapper 
um, which is super high quality and the one I'm smoking right now. Um, but you know, what's interesting about Dion, and I think that this is a really a testament to his blending ability. When you look at the portfolio and you gross, go across the portfolio and you see a large amount of Corojo 98 and Corojo 99, uh, and you see this across the board in a lot of the blends, yet the blends are so dramatically different. Yeah, You're like, that doesn't make sense to me. And that's what it comes down to the fact that he is so region specific, farm specific, what part of the farm. And then when all the tobacco comes in, and again, we're talking Aganarsa. So, I mean, we're talking the best of the best tobacco on, in a lot of cases. And now he's going through specific bales and he wants just those bales for his cigar. Even though they all came from the same place or the same farm or the same part, he wants just these. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is, it, it, it's a broader stroke and I, and I don't mean to not answer the question, but I mean, he's playing with a lot of the same tobaccos as far as that's concerned. But I mean, like I said, this one, you know, the, the, uh, 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 Cafe Corojo wrapper, I think is, is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I wouldn't have expected until I had first had this cigar. Um, cause I'm, I'm more of a Habano person as well, but then I've really started to graduate to the subtleties of that. And what he does blend, he blends, he's very much into the palate, into the flavor, um, you know, in, in, into the smells and, and aromas of it. Uh, and then and then the strength ends up where it does. Yeah. So is, mm, is it? Oh, yeah. Is it time? Oh, I think it's time. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. <laughs> And as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. okay fred oh. everything's okay yeah okay all right <laughs> all right numero de los muertos oh and yeah thank you justin for reminding me uh from our friends at smoke in do not forget go to smoking.com use code hbtc15 at checkout for 15 percent off your purchase some restrictions apply hmm. so nice Numero de los Muertos, episode 156. Garrett, what do you have for us this week? All right. So, history buffs. I love that channel on YouTube, by the way. Yeah. If you, don't follow his, if you don't follow history buffs on YouTube, yeah, they, they do historical accuracy breakdowns of, of movies. Fantastic. Ooh, Sorry, is. but no, I digress. So, yes. Go ahead. History buffs are going to like this one. So between 1892 and 1954, 3,500 people died here. Okay. I, I caught all of that, but just in case, could you say all of it again? Between, <laughs> between 
3,500 people died here. Between 1892 and 1954, 3,500 people died in this place. Yes. How many people? 3,500. 3,500 people. So as always, viewers, if you have guesses, leave them in the comments. Fred and I are going to play 20 questions and try to guess. And we can ask uh, yes, yes or no questions to try to get more information along the way. Is this an immigration location? Yes. Ooh. It is not the Northwest Passage. It is not the Bermuda Triangle. It's I know it. Coliseum. I know it. I know it. Do it. No, no. I'm a, I want to see guesses first. <laughs> I'll private. I'm a, oh, wait, wait. I'm going to private chat you so you know I'm right. Oh, yes. That's... If I can spell. That's a tough one. <laughs> yes, is that it? it oh, it. wow. Nice. I want to see if a viewer can get this one. Oh, okay. Oh, we got it. We got it. He viewer. got it. He yep. got it. That's right. Ellis Island. So I got to hear the details behind this. So when I looked this up, I was sure that Ellis Island was doing immigration before 1892. Not the case. Ellis Island opened its immigration uh, building in 1892. I honestly, I thought it was earlier than that. I did too. I thought it was right after the Civil War. Correct. So, yeah. So 1892. Uh, and here's the, the deal is people that didn't have proper paperwork or there were certain boats that wouldn't um, tell uh you know, America, where they were coming from, that they just wanted to, to come and immigrate, they would send them away. And sometimes they didn't have a, a country or a place to go back to because they were, you know, whatever. So they just stayed there and some of them just starved and died. So they said their boats just stayed in ports. Right. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. I had no, I had no, I swear. I thought it opened earlier than that. But I did too. 1892. That's crazy. Yeah, and then I'm just, I'm just glad Josh got it early, and I didn't completely screw up your entire twenty question thing here. So no, usually, yeah, usually, it takes, usually that was a fantastic guess, Fred. And usually it takes. I mean, last week, last week was well. Tough. So and to tack on to, I knew the, I knew this, I knew the start year. I had no idea that many people died, and I had no idea that was the range, but I knew the start year. Yeah. Um, to t to tack on to this, so. Uh, if you guys are not already watching and or listening to KMA Talk Radio, which is put on by uh, Smokey Ann and Abe and uh, Alex and Paul, uh, they go live every Saturday morning. And this past Saturday, we were very fortunate to be the hosts on that show. You on took it, it over. We took it over. It was we had an absolute blast. And so we we got to do uh, episode four. 457 i believe yep. we interviewed nick malillo from foundation who's a good friend of ours and um since uh normally they do the scoop with coop where coop gives cigar news uh coop couldn't be on the show this week so we they said why don't you guys just do one of your numero de los muertos and garrett did one of his his segments and this was one of those that was tough it took us a long time yeah so and so every once in a while we get one like tonight where the guest just comes right away Boom. so well done fred and no not me josh josh well done josh yeah 3500 people died wearing the same hat as matt in minnesota 
Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and sort of uh, disagree with you there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna agree with that at all. Fred, I do have to ask, how did you become a Packer fan? I was born in Wisconsin. It's required. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't leave the state for a long time because I didn't know we were allowed to. Um, (laughs) And then, and then, but you stay a Packer fan your whole life. And by the way, I mean, you know, I was born in the 60s. So, I mean, I had a lot of drought years before I got to enjoy our right. last two, you know, quarterbacks. It's true. Yeah. And I I moved to Wisconsin from Indiana in 19 well, I moved to Wisconsin in 1991. Well, so you went for nicer weather. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. So it was, you know, we, it was, it was during the Don, Don Mikowski era and then Brett Favre took over shortly after. So I've, I've Mikowski been, was fun for one year. He was, he was. <laughs> so I've been a Green Bay Packer fan since, um, you know, for th- just over 30 years now. And basically when I moved to Wisconsin, you know, you have to live there six months before you can get your Wisconsin driver's license. And when I got my driver's license, I also got this hat. You know what's bullshit is you have basically three quarterbacks in in your fandom. <laughs> I have nine hundred and seventeen. <laughs> hey, it's not Cleveland. Just be <laughs> count your blessings. It's not Cleveland. Yeah, Look, Packers. Other than Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, it's a lot of people's second favorite team. So if I talk to somebody and said, "Oh, you know, the, what's your favorite team?" They're like, "Oh, you know, we like you know the Niners." I'm like, oh, "I'm Packers." Oh, that's my second favorite team. I mean, it's just yeah. kind of like it. You know, and by the way, the argument uh, now that I'm in Dallas right now, you know, the whole America's team. I'm sorry. Packers, the only team owned by the public. Amen. If that's not America's team, I don't know what is. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is the true story right there. Okay, let's move on before I vomit. So that was this week's <laughs> Numero de los Muertos. All right, let's jump into the lightning round sponsored by J.C. Newman Cigar Company. They are America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and The American. J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, Please visit jcnewman.com. So, Fred, if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Wow, that's a great question. Like at a specific point in time or? It can can be any point, but they have to be a living person. Well, I'd kind of like to know what was going through Will Smith's head before he slapped him. Uh, you know, I mean, I'd like to know how that that chain of event was uh, happening. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. Go, I mean, it's the only thing that comes to mind immediately. Living person, some, you know, what? How that all went down? That's. that's I love it. That's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> and honestly, over the over the course of the last week, I also have to say Johnny Depp. Fuck. What on earth is that? Dude, all I, mean, I gotta say, it like he is so amazing with on screen. He's great, but but seeing him, I it's it, I I don't know, man. I feel like that would be like out of the movie being John Malkovich. Like you may yeah. not get back out of that head. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that could that 
You're a prison. Yeah, by the way, by the way, he is an absolute amazing actor. I mean, uh, other yeah. than selling out for pirates for what I don't know how many pirates movies were, but I mean, you take his body of work. Yep, absolutely amazing. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the only other person that's probably more uh, actor-wise than him would be like you know uh, Joaquin uh, Phoenix or somebody in his mm -hmm. head would probably be just an absolute nightmare as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, but watching him say, and she shit on my bed was probably <laughs> one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, I didn't even have that on the bingo card. I don't, I don't, have that. <laughs> I that was not, that wasn't was on my not, card. Mm -mm. All right. Uh, Fred, if you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? Well, I'm gonna have to go with uh, I Get Knocked Down by Chumba Wumba. I'm probably, probably not a great fighter. Oh, uh, but I'll get back. It. I'll get back up. I'll get back up. <laughs> I love that's a first time answer, and I love that. I love that answer. Great answer. Um, all right. So choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie, or a goal in a soccer game as the goalie. Um, how would I hit a home run as a pitcher? Um, in the American pitch, League, pitchers get up to bat in the American League. Yeah, yeah, American League. Um, I'm an I'm because I'm from Wisconsin, and because I played hockey, and because I was a goalie, I'm gonna say scoring a goal as a goalie. Excellent. Love it. Did you ever get close? No, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. No, on myself, I I scored on myself. Is that? Sure. So, you know, you didn't preface that I had to score one on the other team. Now that I think about it, so I have done that. Um, all right, I have to ask this other one too because I'm very curious about your answer. So, the zombie apocalypse yes. is coming. Yes. Who are the three cigar industry people that you want on your team to defeat the zombie horde? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Uh, this is a speed round. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Booth. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm going to go with Tom Lazuka. Yes. And I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Robert Caldwell because I think I've just created the Suicide Squad. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I think I've just... I have no idea how that's going to go down, but I just feel like if, if nothing else, we're going to have a really good time. It's going to be fucking entertaining. Oh, my gosh. And yes. all the connections Robert Caldwell has and all the different things uh, Matt does too, but his military, yeah, dude, that's a great squad. Yes. Thank I, you. I am in. That I want to, and I want to watch the closed squad. circuit video of that too. hundred percent. I don't, I, I haven't watched, I haven't watched uh, like walking dead. I chimed out halfway through. Cause I'm like, who keeps mowing all these lawns? I mean, you know, yeah. you're walking around the cities and like <laughs> the grass is all still short. Like it's all like this high, but, I mean, like, I, I like, you know, the, the book Earth Abides, you know, where everything, like, comes back and grows yeah. up. And, like, not, not in Walking Dead, you know, you're seven yeah. years into it and grass is still looking pretty decent. And I don't know. And after all these years, the zombies are still, the, the zombies still have their clothing that hasn't, like, completely deteriorated into, uh, I don't know, it's just... Not that well, I want to see that's polyester. That's polyester. That just that just that stays around for a while. That's just a smart fashion choice. That's yeah, a, that's just, that's just, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move into this week's Notable Smokable, brought to us by our friends at Ace Prime. Notable cigars, notable passion, 
notable purpose. So each week we name a cigar that we had recently that was notable to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just revisited for the first time in a while or something brand new to the market that we tried for the first time ever. So Fred, what's something interesting that you've smoked recently that caught your attention? Um, it's a revisit for me. It's not old. It came out, oh gosh, I hope I have this right, but well, no, I know it came out at the last PCA. Um, it was Espinosa's, uh, La Provincias, mm-hmm. if I'm pronouncing that right. And yep. I hope I'm, I'm hope I'm pronouncing it right. Um, uh, fabulous cigar. It's one that Drac Tarano gave me at the show. And I probably being the cigar geek that I am went back and stole like five more from them over the next couple of days. Uh, so I had a couple in the humidor and I smoked one the other day and I'm like, I wonder if this is, you know, how I remember it. Um, so it's one of two that I revisited in the last week. And that was one of them. That's the first one that came to mind out of the, out of the two. Awesome. Um, mine this last week. Uh, so yesterday I smoked a, uh, 2001 Paul Grammarian and, uh, just the classic, uh, in the Corona and yeah. So I haven't, so, so Garrett gave me one as well. Yep. It's a different blend, but it's a Paul Grammarian. Yep. Uh, I don't remember which blend it is, but yeah, 20 year old cigar. This, the cellophane is positively Brown. Yeah. So I'm so beyond excited to smoke that cigar. Um, but mine was, so I wrote two down cause I thought you were going to use this one, but, but you didn't. So at your son's graduation party, you you pull out a box of the the uh, the forbidden X, and mm. um, thank you for that cigar. Absolutely. by the way, and and just uh, I mean it's it's just so such a great blend and Stupid. very refined and uh, a great cigar for a special occasion. So thanks for sharing. Well, I mean, if he gets to mention two, then I'm mentioning my other one. Uh, I had the 2014 Las Calaveras, oh, uh, which was the first oh. year and. And so I, I'm not gonna tell the whole story how I ended up getting an entire box of them, but uh, it was a revisit that I was like, you know, you're you're almost apprehensive because you're like, is this gonna be as good as I remember it? And by the you know everybody's like, so the 2014 came out, it was amazing. 2015 came out, and it was amazing, except for when people wanted to compare it to 2014. It's like they're different cigars. They're not right. supposed to be the same cigar. If you right. never had the 2014, the 2015 was freaking great. Uh, and so I had the 2014 again, and man held up just as spectacular as i remembered it yeah so fred my address is one nine seven no, no I'll, we'll talk about it later <laughs> so that was uh this week's notable smokable brought to you by ace prime improving lives through fine cigars please visit aceprime.com to learn more so for our viewers and listeners give you guys an idea of some very cool stuff we have coming up in the next few weeks Next week on May 2nd, I can't believe we're in May already. Oh gosh, next week. So we have uh, Ian Reith from Dapper Cigar Company. Uh, following that on the 9th of May, we have, uh, we're actually going to be on location. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk to Nate and Rob from Bovida, a local company right here in uh, just a few miles away. Uh, Love those and, guys. Yeah, such just. Like I have man crushes on both those. Dudes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I can't. That that product literally was a game changer for everybody. I mean, as far as travel humidors or small desktop humidors. I mean, amazing. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and then on May 16th, we have Kevin Schweitzer from Rockefeller Cigars. And on the 23rd of May, we have none other than Tom Lazuka from CLE and Asylum Cigars. So, Ask him about the zombie apocalypse thing. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, very exciting month of May coming up. So, Fred, give our viewers and listeners the best idea. Where where can they keep up on all the latest and greatest from you and Illusione Cigars? Uh, so you can see the portfolio at IllusioneCigars.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. We have a group there, so you can do requests. Uh, matter of fact, if you go to IllusioneCigars.com forge last contest, Right now, we have a contest, which will have your email. That'll automatically put you on the email and put you in a, in a contest that we have for this month. We're doing one uh, for the next couple of months anyway. Uh, it'll get you on the email list for me to follow me personally. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, but I think I've, I've almost, uh, I have too many people or, or, or that limit. But uh, Twitter uh, is at Godfather. It's at G-O-D-F-A-D-R, uh, which is left over from Godfather from my biker days, which, by the way, putting... Uh, Godfather spelled that correctly would have been horribly pretentious, so I just misspelled it. So uh, G O D F A D R. You can follow me on Twitter, and um, you know if you really want to follow just really really stupid stuff that I tend to share, either I see or make up or repurpose or whatever. Uh, that's where I am. I love it, and yeah. the the just just keep the keep the random thoughts coming because honestly, yep. it's it's one of the, my favorite things in the morning <laughs> on Facebook is just to see what what slightly quirky off the cuff thought Fred had that day yes yep absolutely I love it. and uh and all the 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 love of bacon yes is yes strong. and the yes. McRib. and the mcrib i do like the mcrib it's a guilty pleasure don't 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 you know I'm, text I'm me hate you. mail about how it's not <laughs> I, I wrote it in the i so i wrote a book that my last the last book was um so long and thanks for all the bacon and uh, you can get the audiobook on Amazon or the book, but basically there's a chapter on the McRib that basically I talk about, look, it's, e it's a love-hate relationship. No <laughs> one's in the middle. People either really love the McRib or they hate the McRib and think it's the most disgusting thing. No one's ever had one and just said, eh, it's okay. I mean, yeah. it's just, there's no middle ground. Yeah. It's, just a no, it's probably one of the most divisive things out there. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in the next year or two, we see the impossible McRib. I'm sad no, about it, but it's, no, it's, no, it's, no. I don't know why, why I would you say that. But well, no, wait. Well, well, I don't think I don't think you can because isn't isn't impossible. That's only Burger King, right? Oh, Burger King has the exclusive rights to that. Yeah. Do they really? Yeah. 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 Because because Coop and I got into on a show one time because they were talking about he was talking about how they were marketing it. And I said, well, the question isn't why the impossible burger tastes like the Whopper. The question you really need to ask yourself is why does a Whopper taste like the impossible burger? Yes. Um, you know, I mean, that's the problem yes. with this whole thing here. So yes. yeah, please don't do that to the McRib. And I will, and I will go on record as saying that in my personal culinary opinion, out of all the fast food places on earth, Burger King is by far at the bottom of the barrel. They are, I cannot stand anything I'll, that they that they serve. I would agree with that. And I will tell you that I'll tell you a quick story real quick on the McRib. Um, when I had the Apple Watch, uh, I got an email from Apple because I usually beta test a lot of stuff. So they sent me an email on doing some heart rate checking stuff with like Stanford University or Mayo Clinic, something like that. And so they signed me up and they did this stuff to my watch. So I like they could do it. And so you would get this warning if you were an AFib or something like that. <laughs> it only it you know where this is going. It only sounded the alarm once, and it was McRib season, my <laughs> first McRib of the season, and I ate two of them, and the alarm went off, 
and I get a text from the clinic going, are you okay? Can you tell us the circumstance of your heart right now? Can you measure your heart? And I'm like, dude, that's obviously just happy. I don't know what to tell you. True story. Absolutely true story. It's only time it ever went off. I love that. That is awesome. Oh, that is perfect. All right. So <laughs> for viewers and listeners, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to episode 156 of How About That Cigar Live. As always, if you guys have questions for me or Garrett, please email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Uh, thank you so much for watching live on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube because subscribing is better than just watching. And follow the Facebook page uh, and make sure to uh, find the audio podcast on all your favorite audio podcast platforms. Uh, and thank you guys again so much. And as always, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks, everybody.